0: welcome to what she said on 105.9 the region i'm your host candace sampson there was a lot that happened this past week so it's possible you may have missed this small piece of news Zellers may be making a comeback. Hudson Bay is planning on bringing it back to life with an online presence, but more importantly, a few brick-and-mortar locations as well. What do you think? Would you be happy to see Zellers back? That's what we're asking over on the What She Said Facebook page right now, so hop on over and share your thoughts after today's show. But first, here's what's coming up. As part of what she said's ongoing partnership with New Roots Herbal, we're going to take a closer look at magnesium, which has a hand in over 300 systems in our bodies that regulate everything from muscle and nerve function to blood pressure. Dr. Katie DeGroote, a Alberta registered naturopathic doctor, joins me to share the what, why, and how of magnesium so we're all better informed about this crucial mineral we all need. If you've had a swab up your nose to test for COVID, then you'll rejoice to know that testing is about to get a whole lot less invasive. The new SAL 68030 is the only saliva-based PCR test authorized by Health Canada, and it's available now. John Andanoff, General Manager of Songbird Life Science, joins me to share more about this new way of testing for COVID. Anne Brody brings the goods this week for Saturday Night at the Movies. We start with The Territory, a shocking documentary about a tribe in Brazil facing genocide at the hands of land grabbers determined to drive them out. From there, we move to Get If You Can with Ed Harris, and then to Bad Sisters, which is now Anne's favorite new comedy series available on Apple TV+. Listen in and then pop on over to whatshesaidtalk.com for the full roundup of new entertainment. Childhood trauma can have far-reaching effects into our adult lives. No one knows this better than Teresa Rilling, who was horrifically abused by her grandfather from the ages of 2 to 10. Teresa made a decision to take control of the narrative of her own story and now offers hope beyond her to others grappling with their own trauma. She joins me to discuss, and believe me when I say, you'll be inspired by Teresa's message. Working in 2022 definitely has its challenges, which is why Daisy Buchanan's new book, Careering, is so timely. Hilarious and unflinchingly honest, Careering takes a hard look at the often toxic relationship women have with their dream jobs. Daisy joins me to discuss the inspiration behind the novel and why we all need to break our addiction to our jobs. Finally, summer isn't over yet, so we're closing out the show with Canadian singer songwriter Dia, who pops in to share her new song, Limonada, a fun and sexy single for the summer about loving and living life to the fullest. A good reminder for us all. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 1059, The Region. Part of What She Said's continued partnership with New Roots Herbal, we're going to take a closer look at magnesium today. Dr. Katie DeGroote is an Alberta-registered naturopathic doctor who also holds a Master of Science in Nutrition. She offers nutritionally-focused care for any and all health conditions and has a special interest in digestive issues and supportive mental health care. Dr. Katie is joining me now to explain just how critical magnesium is to our health. Welcome to What She Said, Katie. Thank you for having me. So magnesium uh, is essential for over 300 reactions in the body. That blows my mind. So tell me what some of these are. Sure.
1: It's honestly, it's anything and everything. Um, We need magnesium to help produce DNA, to produce proteins, to break down, to digest carbohydrates, to help make strong, healthy bones, to build and use and utilize brain chemicals that keep our brains happy and healthy. Um, Magnesium affects pain perception and inflammation and... Honestly, everything. If you think of those three hundred over three hundred chemical reactions, that's that's a lot. It influences a lot. That sounds so simple, but it's a lot. I had no idea that it had such an effect on our body. Now,
0: my daughter had a chronic uh, back injury from cheerleading, and I remember they um, and and you know, in combination with the medication they were giving her, they encouraged her to take magnesium to help with inflammation, to help with the pain. Uh, And I've also had magnesium recommended to me for sleep. Uh, So would those be sort of the two most common reasons to ensure
1: we're getting enough magnesium? There's a lot. I'm I'm sorry for saying that again. There's a lot. Um, Definitely pain and, and muscle cramps. Um, magnesium acts as a muscle relaxant, so it helps with pain and especially muscular pain. Um, but it can also help with headaches or inversely, headaches or migraine headaches can be associated with low magnesium. Um, we see magnesium being suggested or used in uh, conditions such as like anxiety, depression, diabetes, trouble with uh, weight gain, weight loss. It plays a role in, in a lot.
0: So when we are seeking magnesium outside of, say, a supplement, where do we get
1: magnesium from? What foods are rich in it? So mostly plant-based products. The green, the green of plants or vegetables, that's where the magnesium is. The magnesium is effectively making the plants green. So anything that's green and leafy, um, foods that are high in fiber, as well as nuts and seeds and legumes, so like beans and peas. Those are the, those are the top magnesium foods.
0: So as soon as you said greens, I immediately thought, yeah, most of us are not getting enough of
1: that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I think it's like 50% of the American, North American population is estimated to not get enough magnesium from food. And maybe 30%, 35% are actually deficient.
0: Okay. So that means that half of us are walking around uh, with, you know, 300 some odd things depending on magnesium and we're not getting enough. So how much should we be getting every day?
1: It depends on your age and gender. Generally speaking for males over the age of 14, recommended between 400 and 420 milligrams per day from food ideally. And for women or for females over the age of 14, It's between 310 and 360 milligrams. But um, Health Canada has these really great nutritional tables, which lay out by age, gender, and life stage. So pregnancy, lactation, uh, postmenopausal, what the recommendations are based upon age and gender. So if somebody was walking
0: around and, you know, they are not getting enough magnesium what are some of the symptoms and signs that they might have that might tip them off to the fact that they're, they're not getting enough?
1: That's a really good question. Um, it's, it's very nonspecific. They're, unless somebody's like acutely deficient in magnesium, that would show up um, in a pretty severe situation. But relatively low magnesium levels, subclinical, we would see anything from like increased asthma, increased headaches, PMS, um, increased anxiety, increased low mood, depression, increased inflammation, increased sensitivity to pain, increased risk of obesity, diabetes. Um, there's a lot of chronic health conditions that are associated with low magnesium that are really common right now. So you're at your question of how do we know if somebody's low in magnesium? Honestly, it's really hard to say without looking at, say, the diet. There's no good test. and it could be any health condition really that's associated with low magnesium. There's a lot.
0: So I think you just answered my next question because I know that we can get blood work done, for example, to find out if we're
1: deficient in vitamin D, but there is no such test for magnesium. There's not a good one. There's not a good reliable test for low levels of magnesium. Magnesium, like I said, like it's clinically like low, low, low. That's going to show up on blood work, serum magnesium, red blood cell magnesium. That that'll pick up like severe, maybe five, 10% of the population, just rough guessing there. Um, but for that 30 to 50% ballpark where people are quite getting enough for optimal health, but not enough to be clinically ill, we're, we don't have a good test. The, the best guess, the best suggestion is honestly to look at what you're eating and run a, a daily intake food through a nutritional processor, like a nutritional program to estimate if you're getting enough magnesium from your food? And the answer is probably not. At least statistically, I would say, probably not. I, I,
0: would, I would say looking at my diet, I am telling you right now, I'm mean, going to try to eat healthy, but I know for a fact that I probably don't get enough greens in my diet. Uh, so, so if I want to, you know, make sure I'm getting enough magnesium and I supplement is there a point where you have too much and would you notice
1: those signs? Yeah, so that's a slightly complicated question, if I can take a minute to unpack that. So magnesium is a mineral. It, it You can't just take magnesium itself. It has to be bound to something. And so what you take that it is bound to, that form of magnesium, that is what has side effects. Um, so for example magnesium oxide that's a very common form of magnesium taking too much of that it acts as a spectacular laxative Um, magnesium citrate a little bit more mild too much of that you would again spectacular laxative Um, different types of magnesium would tend to be digestive upset um if you're taking too much, yeah, it's going to be mostly digestive upset. Uh, the target for magnesium through supplementation is about 350 per day. That's what the general recommendations are. So I would say stick to that number and base it upon your age and gender targets um, and don't take too much. Like follow bottle dosing is is honestly the best way of making sure you're not getting too much.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, as, as, what, we tend to hear things like this, you know, about, you know, make sure you're getting enough magnesium and vitamin D. But there's always people who seem to want to take it to the next level, right? And you can get too much of a good thing. So it's important to recognize uh, that you want to, like you said, follow the bottle dosing on this one. Uh, but it's probably safe to assume, like you said, 50% of the people are not getting enough magnesium. Uh, so you, share all of this information regularly on social media and on your website. Uh, can you share where that where people can find you and follow along?
1: Yeah, so uh, my website is uh My social media, I just have Facebook, uh which is Dr. Katie DeGroot, Naturopathic Doctor. And I have a practice and office in Lethbridge, Alberta, and I can work with anyone virtually or in person. Amazing. New Roots Herbal products are found
0: at health food stores across Canada. They are the sponsor of this ongoing segment to inform people about all of these great supplements that are out there in case you need them. Um, So they always have great stuff on their site as well. That's newrootsherbal.com. So I encourage people to go check them out. And Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I had no idea. So, and I, I've got to tell you, I'm going to use spectacular laxatives going forward because that just cracks me up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's the, most, it's the most polite way to put it that I can think of. Like, just don't, just follow with the bottle. I is. love don't it. Take Thank
0: you so much for joining me.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Take
0: care. Roughly one in three Canadians are not getting enough magnesium, which can severely impact our health. Magnesium deficiency can cause muscle weakness, fatigue, headaches, insomnia, irritability, cramping, bloating, and more. Magnesium matters. New Roots Herbal offers a wide array of magnesium products, including HeartMag, Clarity Mag, and Ultra Gentle Magnesium Biglycinate in capsules as well as a delicious lemon-lime powder. Getting enough couldn't be easier. Available exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. Who amongst us hasn't had the uncomfortable experience of testing for COVID, which is why my next guest is going to make some people very happy. The new Sal 68030 is the only saliva-based PCR test authorized by Health Canada. As a portable device, it provides accurate PCR results in under 30 minutes, and the best part is you only need to provide a saliva sample. Delio DeLeonardis, co-founder and CEO of Songbird Life Science, was all set to jump in today and join us on what she said, but she was pulled away. So jumping in to discuss is John Andanaff, General Manager of Songbird Life Science. A little bit of what he said today. Welcome
2: to the show, John. Thank you very much, Candace. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: I have to say, I was, when this came across my email, I was thrilled to see it. I've done numerous COVID tests. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, so tell me about this test. How does it all work?
2: So it's some uh, amazing technology that uh, MicroGym, uh, based in the U.S., uh, have developed. So the Sal6830 uh, is a saliva-based PCR test. It's the first and only saliva-based test. Uh, that has been uh, authorized here in Health Canada. Really simple to use. Uh, the individual provides a very small saliva sample in a collection cup. That collection cup is capped, inserted into a cartridge, and that cartridge is put into a unit. Uh, person in, hits play, and in less than 30 minutes, uh, the individual uh, gets their COVID result, and, which is hopefully negative.
0: I can almost hear people running to the door right now. So people are going to want to know where they can get it. So how do we access this? Because it's not as simple as the ones we pick up at the at the grocery store and break hole, right? So how do we access that test
2: now? Correct. Yeah. So Health Canada recently authorized the Sal sixty eight thirty. So we are working to make sure that this product gets uh, distributed as quickly and as broadly as possible. We are working with uh, private labs uh, right now. So the product is available in in, uh, downtown Toronto uh, at a company with a company partner of ours called Strato Labs. Uh, There's a company in British Columbia. soon one in Alberta, another one in, uh, in Newfoundland that will be able to offer this product to consumers. So uh, consumers, patients, individuals uh, would right now need to go to one of these labs uh, where an individual will be able to provide them with some uh, guidance. So things like they can't uh, eat or drink water or, you know, chew gum, 30 minutes before. So there's some preparation uh, and training uh, that's involved for the individual. Uh, And then uh, the individual will then be informed and educated on how to provide a sample. Uh, That sample is then capped and inserted into the machine. And then an individual uh, would be able to uh, interpret uh, the result uh, for them. So really excited uh, uh, to be able to broadly uh, share this with consumers. That's what's happening right now, Candice. Uh, Our vision in the future is this is gonna become more broadly uh, uh, available. So uh, children uh, could be able to get it in uh, different educational uh, settings. Uh, elderly uh, and visitors of nursing homes uh, would be able to uh, uh, get a saliva-based uh, test through the SAL 6 to 830 uh, in those uh, venues. And possibly remote locations, uh, uh, cruise ships, coast guards, anywhere where uh, access to a lab is not uh, available, Instead of getting a rapid antigen test with those pesky nasal swabs uh, going up someone's nose, now uh, people can have a much more comfortable, easy to use, uh, quick PCR uh, level test.
0: Yeah, that was actually where I was going to go. You answered it for me, but I was going to say I see this in institutional settings uh, being used because I imagine, I mean, you know, myself, I've had, you know, a few, but people who work in these settings, they have to test often. Uh so this is hu- a huge step towards making this a much more comfortable process and keeping others safe uh as far as I'm concerned. Uh I'm I'm curious how long did it take to develop this test and were were they on it like right away uh as soon as covid sort of happened you know developing this?
2: Yeah, so MicroGym is a really fascinating uh innovative uh company. Uh they've been around uh for uh, over uh, over half a dozen years in the United States and around the world. Uh, they are experts in uh, nucleic acid extraction. Uh, so uh, the NIH, National Institutes of Health, uh, made a call out uh, to all companies saying, look, we need a fast test and easy to use test and one that is not nasal based. So Microgem, you know, stepped up to the plate with their amazing scientists uh, and were able to uh, to uh, uh, develop uh, this test. Obviously, it took, uh, it took them some time uh, to be able to, to develop it but we're absolutely thrilled uh, that they received FDA uh, emergency youth authorization in the spring uh, and then health Canada followed suit uh, in early July uh, with their, uh, with their authorization. And now, Songbird can, uh work to uh, deliver this product to uh, to Canadians in all settings uh, across the country.
0: And you know we were talking prior to the interview you were saying that there's some hope on the horizon perhaps that other pathogens might be able to be tested this way. So what are those uh, that you're thinking about?
2: Uh, absolutely. So uh right now, you know, COVID is obviously the pathogen that is most uh, most con- uh, most concerning. Uh, but, you know, there's other uh, uh, annual, uh, traditional annual pathogens like influenza. There could also be, uh, you know, hepatitis and other, uh, other uh, you know, pathogens. Uh, so, Microgem is working on the research to uh, make sure that uh, the style 6830 can actually accommodate those at some point in the future. Uh, as of now, really excited that, you know, people can get screen tested uh, for COVID, uh, especially as we are you know, entering, a possible, another wave as we are returning from vacation, uh, as we are are starting to get more in those enclosed uh, spaces uh, where, you know, uh, transmission, uh, unfortunately, is much more prevalent. So the South 6830 is now available at a really uh, uh, beneficial time, students going back to school uh, as well. So really, really encouraged that uh, we now have this uh, new solution uh, available for Canadians.
0: Uh, I, I'm all for it. I love the science behind this, and I love that it's going to be, just make it easier to keep each other safe. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about Songbird and about uh, this new test?
2: So the SEL6830 and a number of other tests that Songbird Life Science uh, provides, uh, additional information can be found at www.songbirdlifescience.com.
0: All right, incredible. Thank you for joining
3: me today.
2: Thank you, Candace.
4: I'm about to make it work
0: you. Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Ann Brody, and we've got all kinds of fun things to get to, so let's jump into it. What do you got for us this
5: week, Anne? The most important release this week, in my opinion, is The Territory. It's a documentary from Darren Aronofsky and Alex Pritz. Uh, what they did is they went to the Amazon to help save a previously uncontacted indigenous pri- tribe that's lived there in the Amazon for millennia. What's happening, as you've probably heard, is that all these uh, fortune hunters are secretly coming in there and mowing down all the trees and putting in cattle land and destroying the forest, which are the lungs of the earth. Anyway, so these people are under danger. There used to be uh, thousands. Today, there's only 180 remaining. And in the course of this documentary, one of them is murdered when he confronts an invader. Anyway, the president, the right-wing president of Brazil, uh, Bolsonaro, is actively calling for a genocide of the indigenous tribe. So Aronofsky and Pritz have given these men and women in the uh, tribe equipment to tell their story in a film, get it out to the world to protect themselves and the environment. And ultimately, us, I mean, without the rainforest, we are in trouble. So it's very compelling and a must-see.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, not to focus on this, this particular movie, but, you know, I'm reading all these things about, you know, all these billionaires now uh, looking to explode, exploit land that's being uh, uncovered because of global warming. And you just can't help but shake your head and think, how much worse is this going to get? Um, let's move on to something else. Get away, yeah, get away if you can, uh, with Ed Harris. Absolutely love this guy. He is such a
5: good character. I know you do. You won't love him in this though. He's a he's the evil father, whose son is married to a girl called Domi, very a liberated woman. I think that's the problem that Ed Harris has with her. Anyway, uh, she and her husband Ed's son go out for a yacht ride. Um, they're, they're having trouble in their marriage. And so she decides she's she's had enough. She doesn't want to be on the boat with him anymore. She takes a dinghy and sets up camp on shore. And he sort of looks on helplessly. She tells him not to come over. And uh, eventually he does. But it, it follows this dance, this terrible dance of a bad marriage between these two. And it's set out in the middle of an island in the pacific it's so incredibly provocative and and moving at the same time so we see what happens and you know can he overcome his family to love his wife or does he even love her and does she love him it's really quite incredible it's in theaters and tvod all right uh, this is the one, the next one we're
0: going to talk about. I feel like every woman out there is going to love this series. So let's talk
5: about Bad Sisters. Oh boy, it is good. If you watch a half an hour, you're going to sit down, and watch the whole thing. All right. So it's these five sisters in Ireland on the seacoast. All, they all live comfortable lives. One of them is married and her husband, played by Clays Bang, is an abuser. Her sisters realize that that it's escalating with him, and he demeans her in front of the kids. He he physically tosses her around. So one of the sisters says, I think we should kill him. And the other girls are going, horrors, no. But then one by one, as he picks on them, they decide to get in on the plot. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happens. It is just so intoxicating this series because these women are grabbing their power you know finding their inner warrior to uh to stop a man <laughs> uh it's beautifully written it's funny it's dark it's absolutely what it's one of my favorite series in recent times well that
0: that says a lot so that's sorry that's on apple right ann it's on apple yes and we have interviews up with them all right excellent okay I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one, mostly because the Hulk is not my favorite of the Marvel stories, but let's talk about She-Hulk, because there is a Canadian in it.
5: Yes, Tatiana Maslany. She's, uh, she plays um, Bruce Banner's cousin. Somehow he infects her with Hulkness, and there she goes. She's just suddenly bursting into green and six foot seven. So he takes her down to Mexico and teaches her how to be a Hulk. Um, she's actually an attorney and she can't wait to get back to work so she does go back to work and she there are occasions when she turns into a Hulk during work so it'll be, it's her adventure and it's, you know it's everything that she'll come up against and can she withstand being a Hulk and can she do it right so I mean you know didn't didn't knock me out <laughs> All right, well, that that's a review. Uh all right, let's uh let's
0: talk about uh last one then uh becoming orangutan.
5: All right, this is another important film. It's set in Borneo at the uh orangutan survival foundation where all these dedicated volunteers and doctors and nurses rescue abandoned baby orangutans and raise them the way their parents would have raised them. How to, how to live in the treetop, how to live in the canopy, how to build nests, how to use tools, how to crack open a coconut, all these skills that they have to have in order to live in the wild. And it takes them about eight years to teach them this proper skills. And at the end of eight years, if they're good enough, they'll take them to pre-release island where they can fend for themselves. If they succeed there, they'll be taken by chopper into the wildlands. But, you know, these little baby orangutans with their big eyes and their humanoid kind of looks, it just kills you. And, of course, they're under threat. So, you know, we're killing two birds with one stone. Let's train these these orphans to be real orangutans and let's save the orangutans. Yeah, save
0: them, save ourselves. Uh, you've got this plus a whole lot more on said talk.com. And, of course, you'll be back next week with more. Thanks,
5: Anne. Sure will. Thank you, Candace. Here
4: you come again, and here I go, here I go. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Often as
0: adults, we carry around childhood traumas that affect our behavior and attitude for years before we unpack them and address them. My next guest knows this all too well. Teresa Rilling lives in Sylvan Lake, Alberta with her husband, Jim. Presently, she is in her second term on the town council, but she is also an inspirational and motivational speaker and author of her life story called Just Breathe, Hope Beyond Hurt. She has experienced childhood drama and is walking through the long, arduous steps of healing. It's not an easy road, but it has made her who she is today. So she joins me to discuss. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you so much, Candace. What a privilege it is to be here. I am thrilled to be speaking with you. I have heard so many good things about you. But I would like to set this up for my listeners, if we could. uh, And maybe you could give some Cole's notes as to the trauma that has, uh, you know, pretty much defined your journey so far.
6: Thank you, Candice. I certainly will. And I really want you to remember the hope rather than the hurt, even if I uh, explain some of the hurt to you so you can have some context as to how that hope has come about. Um, It started when I was two years old. My grandfather lived in our home on the farm with us, and he uh, took advantage of a very tiny little girl who absolutely adored him. The abuse began when I was two and ended when I was 10. It was a very um, secretive, long, harsh Time in my life, it really did make me who I am today. I uh, still, I still have to say, I struggle with insecurity. I struggle with body image. I have issues with feeling valued or um, unique in the sense that: Am I worth anything? And am I worthy of being successful? Being a person. Who can go places and make a difference in people's lives. But yes, the abuse happened. I came from a family of seven kids in eight years. My um my mom and dad were um farmers, mixed farmers. My dad worked away most of the time. And my mom was a very busy lady, obviously, uh, just simply uh, keeping up with the farm, raising kids, and um as well she worked outside the home. Just so that we could all have clothes to wear and food to eat, so uh, that's kind of a really quick calls notes. Did you want me to go into it any deeper, Candice, or is that does that help?
0: I think what I would like to pick up on here now is so you said the abuse stopped when you were ten. Now, I imagine as many survivors of childhood trauma uh, of this kind you uh, carried this around for many years before you started to address it. Was there a moment where you thought I need to deal with this head on uh, or else I'm going to flounder forever. Really good question, Candice. That is
6: exactly what happened. At 10 years old, when my grandfather died, I, the way I describe that day is the day that I put my pain into an emotional vault. And I said, I never have to remember this again. But the secret seeps. The secret seeped all through my teen years. I was very promiscuous. I was told when I was abused by my grandfather that I wasn't worth anything more than a pile of dung, and this is all I was good for. So I proved that to be true. I was really good at that. And um, I hurt a lot of people in the process. I certainly hurt family and friends and boyfriends and, um, really struggled a long time. When I was 17, I came to the realization after an all night New Year's Eve party that I actually would sooner die than live anymore. Cause, um, it was, it was a time in my life where I just wanted it all to end. so I, I laid my head on my pillow and I said, if there is a God, please turn off my heart, which honestly was what I preferred. But if not, can you turn it on? Somehow, make something good out of me. And it was it was a huge turning point in my life. I uh, finished high school. I went to Bible college. I began my journey of healing, but. At that point, it was still in my emotional vault. It seeped. I knew the kind of life I'd lived as a teenager. I hated that life. Uh, then I married a man that is just the most incredible man on the planet. He, uh, we just celebrated our 44th wedding anniversary on Friday. When, on our very first date, He, uh, I, I told him, I said, I'm not a virgin. And I thought for sure, because he hadn't even held a girl's hand. He had not even experienced anything with a woman, let alone any kind of uh, promiscuity as I had. And so I told him, I'm not a virgin. And he said, Are you, uh, do you have a child? And I was just so bewildered by that answer. And um, his response, I said, well, so what if I do? He said, well, I guess if it's God's plan for me to marry you, I'll be a dad too. And that guy is still my guy. He never judged me once. He never asked me why or what or how I lived. And it wasn't until I was 31 years old. I was married for 11 years. And it wasn't until one horrific night of nightmares that I realized the little girl in my dreams was me. And she was abused brutally i had to have ten surgeries to repair what he did to me so it explains the depth of the abuse the width of the abuse is the way the secret seeps the way it affects every part of our lives and yet through ongoing healing ongoing forgiveness because to me it's not a one moment thing it's a life changing time more than a moment.
0: I'm sitting here a little bit speechless, I have to say, uh, because you and I were conversing prior to this interview starting. And I didn't know the backstory. So I just knew that you were inspirational and uh, motivational, of which you both are, of of both of those things. But what I am amazed with is your outlook on things. So did you come to this state of being that you're in right now by claiming responsibility for your actions or you know how did you get to this state of mind you're in now after grappling with so much I mean this is this is not your everyday trauma we're talking about here this is pretty intense stuff
6: Mm -hmm. well you know as you said it's embracing it realizing my part and realizing that a lot of it was not my part and learning the difference learning how to um not divide and conquer that that isn't what it is but what it is is it's my husband says it so well he says forgiveness is one big yes and then a whole bunch of little ones after and that is really the steps i have taken and continue to take it's not something that like people say to me are you healed you seem to be healed you can speak about it you can share you've written a book about it yes to all of the above but healing continues to be a process and i i just i just want everybody to know that that it's not something that you can say, I'm all better. It's all better. It's all gone. I'm, I'm better now. It is, as, the, as same as the secret seeps, so does the healing seep. So does the joy. So does the release, the freedom that now I have. Because, yes, I can honestly say, I have forgiven my grandfather. Not because what he did was okay but because like a backpack of pain, once you learn how to unpack that pain and leave it with, and I don't know what your story, yes, but for me, it was a faith story of leaving it with Jesus, leaving it at the cross, one pain, one horrible story at a time. And it is, it's a decision and it continues to be a decision. It's not something that You wake up one day and it's all better. You uh, take a pill and it goes away. And I could be a drug addict. I could be an alcoholic. And I could have married many, many different men, which is often a trait. But because I have learned and am growing in it with no judgment on anyone ever, because everybody's journey is different. Everybody's process is very different, and I would never stand in judgment of what other people need to go through in order to embrace it.
0: You are an absolute inspiration. I wish I could jump through my screen right now and hug you. <laughs> I would love uh, to hug you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're just a delight, Teresa. I really think that this is going to, people are going to want to reach out to you and, and know more. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very powerful topic. And unfortunately, far too many people go through this. So yes. uh, can you please share where people can connect with you and, and find your book, follow along on social media? Absolutely, Candice. Thank you so much. Um,
6: You can can contact me through my webpage. I do many different things. I speak at conferences, keynote in very many places. You can contact me at TeresaRilling.ca. And you can also find me on Facebook. Either Teresa Rilling or Teresa May Rilling or Teresa Rilling Town Counselor. um, And on Instagram, it's Rilling.Teresa. So if anybody would like to reach out and I can, uh, you can order a book through me or you can order it through Amazon. Incredible. Teresa, you are a delight.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Candice. And have a wonderful day. and in love this past week with a book. Careering by award-winning journalist Daisy Buchanan takes a look at an ambitious woman who loves her job but has reached a point where she's starting to realize her job will never love her back. If this sounds familiar to you, then stick around for this interview and then get this book for laughs, insight, and some hard truths on an addiction we can't break, work. Welcome to What She Said, Daisy. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I really love this book. I loved how you intertwined the stories of Imogene and Harry. These are two uh, women at very different points in their career, but struggling with the same sort of things.
7: Uh, Who do you identify with most? I think I have been both of these women at different times. Um, Imogen's journey is so like mine in that Imogen works at least two part-time late-night jobs at any one time to be able to work for free as an intern, which I have done. I think that that situation has got a lot harder for lots of new people coming into the workforce since I did it. Also, um, Harry uses work to distract herself and numb herself from a lot of emotional pain and a lot of things she doesn't want to address um, that have happened in her past and I've certainly done that.
0: So why do you think, why do you say then that
7: work is an addiction? Well it's interesting because I have been circling the subject for so long. Um, I love my job, I love what I do, I'm really really passionate about it and I think I'm really lucky to to be a writer. I worked for magazines before I got into fiction writing, um, and You know, there are so many highs and lows. The rewards are huge. And I've spent so many moments feeling so stressed and overwhelmed and frightened and dizzy. But also there's a bit of my brain going, but no, why isn't there more? Why isn't there more? Um, I feel like my adrenaline is all over the place when it comes to work, and sometimes it strikes me that the lengths I'll go to to get work done and to succeed—any other, you know, controlled substance or otherwise—if I was talking about anything else in that way, my friends and family would intervene. They'd be really, really frightened for me. But instead, you know, the rhetoric—I and I think we do this to so many, you know, of our friends and people we love. We think, oh, they're doing so well. They talk about this all the time when it is a, a kind of addiction. How do you think, I mean,
0: obviously the pandemic has had a big effect on work life for people. Um, did that inspire or inform this novel at all?
7: It is very strange in that this is an idea I had and I kept thinking, kind of taking out. And it was quite a scary thing for me to write about. And then as I got to work, we were in the middle of the of the pandemic. Um and we were just starting to have those very early conversations about, you know, the great resignation about everyone kind of quitting. So it was quite alarming, but also quite comforting how the more I wrote, the more true it became.
0: And and as you were writing it, you know, as, as you're going through this book, what are, were you thinking of possible solutions for people um, who are struggling with all of these questions of, you know, what do they want to do and, and how much? does work impact their life and affect their personal life? Were you thinking about what it should look like?
7: I was. It's really complicated because I, without giving away too many spoilers, I wanted to give these women a happy ending. I wanted to give them a way to achieve on their own terms. The trouble is certainly in my head at the moment, I'm not sure I can separate my own terms, or even know what those are, because I'm so overwhelmed by you know the very narrow definition of what success looks like globally. So it's definitely a work in progress. I'm trying to step away um, every time. I think I've you know got some answers. Something trips me up again. I'm reading a lot of uh, Bima Chodron at the moment. I think she has all the answers. Impermanence, taking away your expectations. It's um it's a challenge. Do you,
0: what do you see in the future then for for your main characters of this book?
7: Well, I think they will go on to create. They are they are very very creative women. Um I think it's about them gaining custody of their own ambition and I think that what they are about on the cusp of finding out is that when they take away other people's expectations and other people's rules, what they can achieve for themselves is dizzying and thrilling and kind of scary in the best way and i think that's true for so many of us i love what you just said about taking custody of your own ambition that's that's huge and just that
0: concept alone is you know because we often take on other people's expectations of what our ambition should be and where we should take it and it's we're really not making ourselves happy are we
7: well, I find something I struggle a lot with is uh, looking on social media and being on social media and how to present myself to the world. But also, I have so many really brilliant, successful, amazing peers, and I really, really struggle with jealousy and envy in comparison. And I know I have so many voices in my head saying, don't compare and despair, it's like too late, I am. But actually, that envy and that jealousy, those feelings are a brilliant clue in terms of if something really resonates with me and moves me in that way maybe that's something I should explore for myself.
0: Well you are quite successful in your own right so aside from careering could you maybe share your other novels with people?
7: Uh, of course I've written um, two non-fiction books uh, How to Be Grown Up and The Sisterhood. Uh, my first novel Insatiable was published in the UK last year. I've just handed in my next novel. I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say um, but my editor has it so I think that's why um, i can only hear my voice but you can't see that I'm in a state of disarray because I've got pens falling out of my hair basically at this point it's been a summer where I've really been glued to the laptop
0: amazing Daisy uh this book is incredible I want people to be able to pick it up it's available now so where can people find it and where can they follow along with you to keep up with all that you're doing
7: Oh, fabulous. Thank you so much. It is available in Indigo, I believe, as well as all good bookshops and the usual online places. On Instagram, I'm at the Daisy B. B is spelled with two E's, like the insect. And on Twitter, I'm at not roller girl. All right, Daisy, thank you so much.
0: Summer's not over yet. So get this as your next great beach read or, you know, when you're cozying up in the fall with your big sweater on. Daisy, thanks so much for joining me. We'll have you back when you launch that next book. Thank you so
4: much. Miss me, I love you. When you tell me that you miss me I love it when you lean right in and kiss me Reminis- are going
0: to hold on to every last minute of summer here at what she said so we're going to close out today's show with dia canadian italian singer songwriter dia has released her new single limonada on all music platforms and joins me to discuss and share the song in its entirety with what she said's audience welcome to the show dia
3: hi candace thank you so much for having me so
0: this song is inspired by Italy, and I have to tell you, I have been to Italy in the summer, and it is swoon-worthy. Uh, but you're Italian-Canadian, so tell me, what what inspired you, obviously, what part of Italy inspired you to write this
3: song? Oh my goodness. Well, I was really, uh, last summer was a a summer of a lifetime, let's put it that way. It was the second summer of COVID. I finally had an open summer schedule where there weren't any performances and festivals and I said, "You know what? I'm out." And <laughs> I booked a one-way ticket. I went to Italy and experienced the entire country and when I hit the Amalfi Coast, I thought, "Oh my goodness. This is incredible." I'm a huge fan of lemons and lemon-flavored everything. It's one of my favorite flavors and I just fell in love with the South and I mean, and the North and all over, of course, this was my first time in Italy and it was a lifetime goal to visit. And I stayed for almost two months by myself. I traveled the entire country alone and well, I mean, met people along the way, but my inspiration for this song comes from the beauty and the love that I felt throughout. And I mean, throughout from the people to the places I visited to just the essence of sitting in that country inspired me to, to make a connection between love and lemons. Honestly, I, I, it's amazing. And Italy
0: just is, the whole country is a love language. <laughs> so I, I love this song. It takes me back. I've been twice and I, I swear I could, I could live there the rest of my life. But I want to just quickly touch on something else that's absolutely amazing about you is that you have the ability to sing in
3: 32 languages. Where did this come from? <laughs> I, I had this affinity for languages since I was a little girl. I used to just watch cultural programming all the time on TV. And I was obsessed with the idea that so many people can communicate with each other and others can't understand it. And that for me was such a fascinating concept. And as I got older, I started to pair my passion for languages with the songs I was singing and I had a knack for it. So I began performing with so many different communities around the city and just felt like I was a part of all of it and that I love to travel and I love studying culture. I did my my master's degree in ethnomusicology. So the the language, the culture, the music, the food, everything is connected. And for me, that was just such a a passion of mine that almost an obsession actually it is an obsession i just love being able to find things that i can't do yet and then try to do them and i've accumulated them over the years (laughs) well speaking of obsessions we are obsessed with you and this song so
0: we're going to play it now dia and i think it'll become everybody's song of the summer uh so thank you so much for joining me today you are an absolute delight
3: Thank you so much,
4: Candace. Baby, I've been thinking lots about you lately. I was hoping that you'd come and take me, take me, taste me. Miss me. I love it when you tell me that you miss me. I love it when you lean right in and kiss me. Reminisce. love me like a lemon drop suck a take a shot you know that i'm sugar sweet come and climb my lemon tree vieni vieni me do it like in italy italy
0: it for what she said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at whatshesaidtalk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region.